You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is up, good people? We are back with a very special episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoy this one. And I have to apologize right now for this intro because my voice is a bit scratchy. I'll explain that in a second. And there are some changes to the podcast coming up that I need to explain to everybody and I need to give a fair amount of details. So apologies for the extra long intro, but I went to the My Chemical Romance show last night and my voice is absolutely blown out from screaming at the top of my lungs with my fellow elder millennial emos. That was a good time. Packed house at the Moda Center here in Portland or the Rose Garden, as us locals like to call it. It was an absolutely incredible show. If you are on the fence at all about this tour, don't be. Go to it. It was absolutely fantastic. Seriously, go do it. This isn't an ad. This is just a suggestion to anyone who might be even a casual fan. You will have yourself an amazing time if you go to this show. Go to it. Have fun and blow your voice out like I did. So I have just a little bit of business to get out of the way before we dive into this very special episode with, well, you know who it is. You clicked on this episode, Mr. Mark Agnesi of Gibson. I am so excited for this. We get into some things that I don't necessarily think have been touched on in other podcasts or interviews he's done, so I'm really excited about that. But before we do that, I want to announce something real quick. Today, I am debuting the ad-free stream. So starting with this episode... If you go to Patreon, you can get access to the ad-free stream. So if you're already at the $5 level or higher, you will be getting access to these as well. But now I have added another tier. That is the $3 tier. $3 gets you the ad-free episodes. Now, I know the ads are not anybody's favorite thing. They're not my favorite thing. But it's the only way that a creator can get paid and have it not cost the end user anything. I've yet to figure out another way to make that happen, but so far, ads are the best way to do it. I have done my best to keep them as short as possible and as relevant as possible, and I'm going to be mixing them into the episode in a different way moving forward due to listener requests. So we're going to try this. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for working with me through this change. I hope this works better for most people, and I really appreciate everyone who has taken the time to listen over the years and all the feedback on this. So this will be a slight change. Hopefully this works better for more people. And yeah, that's pretty much it. If you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com slash tonemob, and then there is the $3 option for you, or the $5 option if you want ads and bonus episodes. So check that out. If you'd like to support the show, get bonus content and get rid of the ads. Now, it's worth noting that when I say ads, what I mean is the this episode is brought to you by XYZ Company anywhere in the episode. 
There will still be intros and outros because there is relevant information that I think people will not want to miss, as well as reminders about the various aspects of the Tone Mob community. So there may be some modified versions of what the intros like this one sound like still on those ad-free episodes, but you will not be bothered by the this is brought to you by whatever company. That will be gone. So that is what I mean. I just wanted to clarify for anyone who was curious before they got over there and was like, wait a minute, he's still talking in the beginning. I'm not saying I'm going to do it every time, but I definitely will as there is pertinent information for people that I don't want anyone to miss out on. So that is that. All right. This was an excessively long intro. Let's get into this episode with Mark Agnesi. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally. Sometimes I'm your host, Blake Wyland, And with me today, I have Mark Agnesi. How's it going, dude? What's up, Blake? How you doing, buddy? Dude, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I'm fine. I'm glad we're finally making it happen. Yeah, sorry. I'm in a hotel right now, but uh, I had time. Hey, I, neither one of us have a lot of time. So <laughs> glad out. Exactly. Exactly. Well, there is a, a whole list of questions I could get started with you on. I mean, it, it goes on forever. But I think what I've never heard anybody talk to you about, they usually want to talk to you about Gibson stuff. But and I do want to get into that. But really, I want to know more about you. Like, obviously, you didn't just uh, wake up as uh, the Gibson guy. You started a uh, most people got familiar with you when you worked at Norm's. But You've got a long history with the guitar before that. When did you start playing and when what drew you so, you know, closely to the instrument? I started playing really young. Um, I think I was like six or seven years old when I started playing. Um, so I did no musicians in my family when I was growing up, but I was in the music business. You know, my, my dad worked in, in the radio business. Oh, OK. Um, and. Part of that was always going to shows. So from a very, very young age, I was at a lot of shows. And that was a big, I think, part of it for me was watching huge bands up on stage and people screaming and going, I was like, yeah, like, I, I kind of want to do that. And, right. <laughs> and, you know, I, the guitar just seemed like the coolest one that's the one I connected with. And there's all sorts of things from my childhood that connect me to guitars, I guess, uh, just growing up when we grew up, you know, mm -hmm. all the cool guys played guitar. So, <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to do it. There was a guitar store, um, that I always used to wander into, which they must have hated, um, and would walk around, <laughs> uh, look at all the stuff and, I just, I, I just kept telling my dad, I, I got to play guitar. I want to play guitar. I got to play until he just he finally gave in and bought me one, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there, yeah, I just started taking lessons and doing that whole thing and started playing in bands really, really young, started making records pretty young. Um, until which point it got through high school and, and decided, uh, to go to Belmont University in uh, Nashville mm -hmm. and um, 
actually just decided to study music business. Oh, wow. Are. So they had a music business uh, program uh, degree at that school. So I decided that uh, getting a degree in guitar wasn't going to guarantee me a, a job playing guitar. So I, as I pursued playing guitar, I decided to learn a little bit about the industry and the business. Um, and then that ultimately took me to L.A. Uh, Belmont had a a satellite campus that you could go do a semester at in LA. And me and my, my friend Josh were both like last semester of our senior year, we're going to go to LA and we're not going to come back. <laughs> and, and that's what we did, man. We, we, we went to LA, we finished that semester of school. We flew back to Nashville for graduation and it was like, peace. Nice. And we moved to officially to LA, didn't know anybody, didn't have any money, didn't have jobs. Uh, and, uh, worked, worked a way up from there, you know? Mm -hmm. Was it, uh, it's kind of funny that, that you ended up back in Nashville then, you know, all yes, these years it's later. Very <laughs> funny. Uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I'm back. It's a different Nashville now. Oh, absolutely. And uh, when I was, was here before. Um, yeah, still getting used to it. It's nice to be back in LA. Yeah. Uh, I get to visit regularly enough. Um, that I still feel connected to LA, but, um, yeah, Nashville is Nashville's interesting. It's very interesting. There's some really, really good stuff going in Nashville, especially as a guitar player. Yep. Everybody's moving there. There's a great community of guitar players, you mm -hmm. know, and we all know each other and we all hang and, and, and it's, it's, it's a cool scene, but you know, I live in the, I got kids, man. I live in the burbs and it's, <laughs> I, I I stick out there pretty pretty bad. Yeah, I mean similarly, I tell everyone that I live in Portland, but that's just because they don't know where Oregon City is. So you know, it's close yeah. enough. I just it's all the same, you know. Yeah, uh, same same. So when you you moved out to LA, you're trying you're just probably just kind of wandering around in amazement at some points of your uh, existence out there. How did you end up at Norms? So that's, yeah, that's, but you know, I, when I moved there for, for school, I was interning at, uh, Lionsgate, um, in their music supervision department, mm -hmm. which is something I, I'm still very into that. And I get to use some of that, you know, now with, with Gibson TV stuff, but it's like sitting in this office in these cubicles and just like, man, I do not, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. Like want to be a guitar player and things. So it's like I graduated and took absolutely none of my education and went and started working at a guitar store. So <laughs> I got hired at a place called West LA Music, no longer around. It was kind of an LA institution for about 40 years, but um, closed up shop about seven or eight years ago. Uh, and I started uh, selling guitars there and ended up becoming the manager uh, of the guitar department at my store, um, in the, the, the Valley store, there was two stores. And I just like, my whole philosophy was I'm going to go work in a guitar store and meet people and work my way in, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And, and the, you know, up until the end there, I was playing in like five bands. Oh, wow. We were like five artists, you know, mm -hmm. trying whatever paying gigs I could. And it finally got to a, a, a point where it says, you, you know, like I got enough stuff going on. I'm going pro. And I quit my job and I started playing guitar 
full time, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and I did that for a couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a tough gig. Oh yeah, Absolutely. especially in L.A. because it, it you know takes a lot of fifty and seventy five dollar gigs to pay to pay for rent in L.A. <laughs> you know? um, but then you start getting tours, and you go, oh, this is great. I, uh, I'm going to be gone for six weeks and I'm going to make all this money and stuff. And, and and it is great until you get home and then you realize that you've been replaced in the four other things you uh, were doing. You were gone. They found other stuff. And now you're at home going, oh, like, what am I going to do now? I got to like work my way back in. So it's, it's a really, uh, it was a, a, a different kind of thing. And, um, you know, I was buying and selling stuff on the side to just kind of supplement income. I, I was living with uh, my wife now, but, you know, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. And it was like, I, I have to get a steady gig. So I, I started looking for industry, guitar industry job. I've never really worked outside of guitars my entire life. Wow. I've, I've only ever made money in my entire life based somehow on the guitar. That's incredible. Uh, and I was interviewing at some places and... was not getting back and second interviews and third interviews. And I was just like super depressed and, and, and starting to lose it. And uh, I was on Craigslist and I saw an ad for vintage guitar expert wanted and it was Norm's. And I walked into Norm's and met Norm. And about 30 minutes later, I was the manager of Norman's rare guitars. Whoa. That's, that's it was like, (laughs) yeah, it was not like, uh, you know, his whole staff had basically left at once and he was like in a lurch. And uh, I came in and knew knew enough to fool him because I was not a vintage guitar expert at that time. Um, but, yeah, I got the gig and, and spent 10 years uh, running that store and, and everything that it's, you know, become in terms of social media and online stuff. That all kind of happened progressively throughout my time there. Yeah. It was already a very well-known and oh, established shop. Fam- yeah, it was. It, that store was world famous a decade before I I got yeah. there. Yeah, um, but uh, we brought it into the modern, the modern era of of you know famous yeah. uh, followers. You know, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it was it was ten years, ten years of uh, of doing that. When you got in there, did you immediately know? Like, hey, this is the direction we need to push. We, we got to do the guitar a day stuff. Or did it take a little while of observing before you came up with that? I didn't start guitar the day until seven years in. Oh wow, wow, yeah. yeah. There was, uh, you know, when I started there, there was um, maybe two years in. That was like when reality TV was like really like banging, right? Mm-hmm. And and people kept approaching the store about doing a reality show. We shot several pilots and um, they were shopped to a few networks and stuff. And and uh, so that kind of got the on-camera thing going. And then as those started to fall through, somebody, you know, there was a lot of cool people shopped at, at Norm's other than rock stars. You know, it's right. L.A. There's film producers and directors and agents and managers and all, you know, everybody's into guitars. Absolutely. Uh, 
hit a big enough cross-section. So you start meeting all these people. And one guy said to us, he's like, you guys just start a YouTube channel and, and do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that fully clicked, uh, but that's kind of when we started doing videos. And um, Guitar of the Day really... I had done some videos in the back where I would explain history and stuff. And I had done some videos of playing things and stuff like that. And guitar of the day was really started off as an idea I had. It was, it was like a 60 second sales pitch where I would take a guitar and tell you about it for 30 seconds, plug it in for 30 seconds. It'd be a minute. And every day we'd do a minute of this thing. If you go back and watch some of like the really, really early guitar of the day, so like 90 seconds long. And, um, and people just kept commenting like, God, I wish you would have played it more. This is the thing. I was like, I wish you would have said more about that. And then it just started to morph into what it became, which is like a 10 minute long history lesson slash guitar playing thing. I, it, we really didn't fully hit its stride until about a hundred episodes in. Yeah. And I know that because we had finished the we had there was a flood at the store and we had to replace all of the carpet and all this stuff had to get dug up and it was a it was a mess um but that allowed us to remodel the store that's when i bought the sofa oh okay yep. sofa and like <laughs> oh you would not believe how i had to twist norm's arm to give me like a thousand dollars to buy this like, <laughs> fake leather couch that now is like become this iconic like thing in the store, like a lot of famous asses sat on that couch. Absolutely. Um, but that was when the store remodeled. And then when we brought it back after the remodel was like the 101st episode. And that's when I, I had a few weeks to kind of think about it. And that's when I started doing songs. That was uh, episode 101 is when it started being three songs in the thing. And then from there out is kind of how the format of the show worked. It's funny how, you know, you people will stumble across something, especially online. And it's like, wow, look at this thing that's been going on for a long time. But I feel like I remember, you know, my first 100 episodes and the format was essentially the same. You know, there wasn't a lot of changes between now and then as far as format goes. But my comfort level with doing it from one to 100 from 100 to now is drastically different. Like, I'll talk to anybody, you know, like it. But from that first episode, I remember pacing around. I was still at the job that I was at. I was pacing around in this oil terminal, you know, with a, you know, notes in my phone, like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. And I'm going back and forth. I'm like, okay. And and it was just um, this guy, Ryan McCaffrey had a pedal company and it was a small pedal company. I'm not even sure if they're still around anymore, but I was rehearsing it like I was, I was about to be on, you know, Jay Leno or something, you know, (laughs) I was like, really really going over it but now i'm just like who am i talking to today oh yeah all right i got this here we go it's like anything else man mm-hmm. like it, you don't pick up a guitar and start like and start treading you know it takes you, you got to get on camera and you got to get used to being on camera you got to get used to what your persona on camera is you got to get used to everything mm-hmm. you know it's the, the learning curve that takes years absolutely it um good at mm-hmm just like anything else. Yep, it's repetition. You got to put in the reps. It's then that there's no, there's no shortcut for any of this stuff, like at all. Nothing. Yeah, Nothing. it really isn't. Yep. So how did Gibbs? I mean, the inter- the guitar internet was very familiar with what you were doing, and obviously that includes people at Gibson. I have to I have to assume 
that somebody saw your videos and was just like, was Cesar just like, we got to get this guy. Like, how did that happen? Well, I had known Cesar maybe two years before the bankruptcy. Okay. Oh, Cesar okay. was a customer of mine. Of course he was. He's got you know, everything he, under the he, sun. Yeah. I looked up that Amex quite a few times for some <laughs> cool stuff. Um, and we just became friends. I'd never met him. We, I, we had only had a phone relationship where right. you know, he would call me and we'd talk on the phone for 10 minutes and, and he'd buy something. But um, I got a call from him one day. This is like six months before the bankruptcy was announced. Mm -hmm. And he kind of laid it out, what was about to go down. So, I mean, I knew about the Gibson bankruptcy way before the public did. You know, I made those make Gibson great again hats. <laughs> yes, I remember. That those. wasn't an accident. The timing on all of like, I knew all of that. I knew everything was coming. And he mm -hmm. kind of laid out all that stuff for me. It wasn't even about uh, me working there. Didn't come till much later. Just letting me letting me know what was going on, what the situation was. I I made some uh, I, when he took uh, his job and and the change happened. I I did some press for him and and gave some quotes to some publications on his behalf and stuff. We were just uh, friends. That didn't happen, you know, until. Probably a few months after the takeover, where I, I needed to to change, I needed I needed a change, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd done it for ten years. I'd done guitar of the day for three years, every day. I hadn't taken a vacation in three years. I hadn't. I worked every Saturday for three years. My son was, you know, four years old, and I had a second one. That my second son had just been born, and like. You know, Saturdays are when life happens when you have kids. I missed a lot of birthday parties. I missed a lot of family get-togethers. I missed a lot of stuff. And, and it was like, you know, I kind of hit the ceiling there. Yeah. I uh, I called Cesar and, and just, what do you got? You got anything for me? And two weeks later, I was having lunch with him and JC in Beverly Hills, and they kind of laid it out what what they thought and, and and it happened it was done it was like very very quick there was no interview i never submitted a resume <laughs> uh, you know the job didn't exist they they you know created my my role mm -hmm. uh bring me on i was i think i was the first the first hire of the new management oh wow wow i mean it makes sense though like you you understood the presentation of things in a way that a lot of people didn't. You know, you obviously knew the history of the brand better than 99% of people who walk the planet, you know? So it was a it was a perfect fit. You know, it makes it ticks all the boxes as far as I can tell. Yeah, it it, it ticked all the boxes for me cuz, you know, it, although what my job has become is beyond what I imagined. It's not as much guitar playing as I imagine. <laughs> you know, the, the, deeper you get, the... <laughs> the deeper and deeper I get, the deeper and deeper I get, the less and less guitar playing I do. But it's it's fun. It's it's challenging. It's different. It's new. Uh, every day is something that I've never done before. Yeah, you know, I feel a lot of times completely 
like this is so over my head, but I just get thrown into things and, and adapt on the fly to all sorts of stuff. It was the first corporate job I've ever had in my, not that it's like a corporate job, but I mean, it's a, it's a, there's it's a bigger, bigger operation. HR department. <laughs> yes. Corporate job. I came from basically a frat house as my wife used to, to call <laughs> at norms. It was a frat house. You know, there's, there were no rules. Um, but now I'm in like a thing where there's like, rules and like email like i still suck at at sending emails like that's not my uh, <laughs> i'm a pick up the phone guy same same yeah. i i i uh i'm always the phone i just called a guy yesterday he had sent me an email this is terrible this is very revealing but uh, uh he had sent me an email like five months ago and i responded and he sent me the follow-up and then i realized like i never called him i never responded i'm oh his phone number's right there i'm just calling him that's gonna be way faster yeah we'll just and i write done. stuff down on paper which i a few people in the company nuts because i'll just write a bunch of stuff down and tear it out and go here here's the thing can you send me that in an email <laughs> sure and i take it back to my desk and i take a photo of it on my phone and i put the photo <laughs> in i'm not typing stuff i'm you know i'm analog so so when you're you know, what does a day look like for you? I'm sure it's all different because, you know, I know like the when we were hanging out, that was a different day than probably what you do every day. You know, you you're planning out the Gibson garage and being a part of that and like in different locations and you've got all kinds of different things. Is there a typical day for you? There really is not a typical day. Every day is different, <clears throat> which is cool. It's also hard to stay focused on one thing at a time, which I normally I like to get one thing and focus on it till it's done. I just get be creative now and I like focus on this and like, yeah, there's like all these different things. But part of it is content stuff, you right. know, producing 13 shows right now for Gibson TV. That's wild. So that's uh, and some of like I'm, I'm here right now. We're doing um the Halloween special for metal and monsters. Nice. It's, um, it's such a lift. It is such a gigantic lift to make that show happen. And like, we're a guitar company. We're not a, we're not like a, a TV network or a thing, but like we're doing, we're, tr we're trying to make Netflix and HBO level productions on a, a guitar company's budget and try and make it look rad. You know, it's mm -hmm. a big lift. Yeah, uh, to make some of these shows happen. So that's a lot of it. And then, yeah, I, I did the Gibson Garage in Nashville, and now I've turned into the the interior decorator <laughs> for everything, for showrooms, for the office. I just finished our offices in Tokyo. I'm starting on our offices in London. Uh, all just showrooms and and all sorts of stuff. I pick a lot of sofas. <laughs> well you're very good at picking sofas clearly thanks buddy I, wall coverings carpet drapes I, tchotchkes the whole thing like i never thought like i would i would be working for gibson and i would be the interior decorator like that would be my my job but that's my job but i dig it i love doing it it's fun uh it's it works a different part of the brain you know mm -hmm. but does not involve a lot of guitar playing. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Merit Mercury X.
My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations in 33 banks and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my pocky? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than 2 bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. So when you, you know, obviously you had another kid on the way, you already had a kid, you were pretty established in LA. What was yeah. it like when you went to your wife and was like, Hey, I'm talking about doing this. <laughs> yeah. What was that like? I mean, my wife was born and raised in LA. One of the few people that was like a native Angelino, you know, mm -hmm. and never lived anywhere other than LA. And then it's the South, which right. is a whole. Still getting used to it, still adjusting to it. Not to mention, like all of her family and friends were all here mm -hmm. in LA, you know. So it was a big transition. And then six months after we got there, COVID happened. We couldn't leave the house. Yeah, I remember so you telling me that. That first, was so crazy. The first couple years of us living in Tennessee has been um, very challenging. Getting to know everybody, and you know, I mean, I'm meeting people all all the time and stuff but like you know for her it's 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 a, it's a much harder transition you know me i hang out with guitar players and you know whether i've met them or not we we tend to become best friends immediately and just get get to it you know mm -hmm. oh well yeah yeah we, we just started eating mexican food and talking about things immediately like it was like I, like that I feel that way with other guitar players like all my best friends they're my closest friends are all guitar players and and i meet people like you or, or other youtube guys and stuff and it's like I, we don't need to we don't need to do the whole get to know each other thing like we're friends like just start just start there. Real, real stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah in fact i think we started talking about that immediately the transition and how covid like you know it's one thing to move to an entirely new place that you've never been before but then you do that, and all of a sudden you can't leave. You're yeah. like, no. 
it's like yeah. okay cool we got this nice new house and let's let's meet the neighbors oh we can't talk to the neighbors like what yeah. that is so crazy i can't imagine what that was like obviously you know you had you had connections there already but for her and the kids that's just got to be just a mess yeah. they're just now probably getting to know people right yeah uh it was it's been a very long transition we're still transitioning mm -hmm. yeah it's yeah it's a process man I feel like this is a, somewhat of a transition, but I was just, I just had this image of you and Slash hanging out, uh, pop in my brain. And I was like, man, that's got to be crazy. But you kind of were already doing that at Norm's, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been friends with Slash for probably 10 years now, mm -hmm. uh, just from Norm's and other, and other stuff. Um, and we text, you know, each other weird stuff every once in a while. Um, so yeah, that was, um, that's like an easy, he was one of the first people to reach out to me when the press release went out that I started. He's like, oh, this is awesome. This is so cool, you know. And I do all sorts of stuff with him outside of of Gibson. Like if he has to do interviews for stuff or uh, I just did uh, um, like a live stream thing with them. They just always ask me to host it for some reason. <laughs> like, talking to me and it's, I guess because we get along and we know each other. So I'm I'm always interviewing him about something, whether it's Gibson related or not. But um, yeah, I mean, most most of our artists, our big artists are all guys I've known for 10 plus years. So mm -hmm. I mean, that transition was super easy because it's just the same people in a different place, you know. Was it weird when that first started happening? Like for me, you know, I've gotten to lucky to interview some people that I've looked up to for years. And sometimes that that does happen. All of a sudden we're sending each other weird memes. And I sometimes have to pinch myself because I'm like, I'm a mechanic, man. Like, what am I doing? Like talking to these people when you first started working at Norm's. Did you have those thoughts or any moments like that? Or you've been in the kind of the entertainment sector for so long. It was just <clears throat> it was just normal. Well, I mean, all we want to do and you just, you just meet your heroes, right? Absolutely. You want to meet your heroes. And then one day your hero walks in and you get to meet him. And it's like, well, that was really cool. And then like a month later, he comes in again and you get <laughs> him again. And then like another month later, he comes in and all of a sudden you're exchanging phone numbers. And then like, you know, a couple months <laughs> later, you're over at his place hanging out. And then a few months after that, like, your families are spending Fourth of July together, and and then you can't get rid of them. Right. And your phone <laughs> rings at two o'clock in the morning. Your wife's freaking out. It's like, oh, it's, you know, it's Nikki Six texting me about something, you know. And it's like, then you can't get rid of them. It's weird how it happens, mm -hmm. but you just you hang around long enough, and then you start becoming friends. It's you know, it's it's really it's wild. It's not something that I ever anticipated, but you know, just few nights ago my wife and i were hanging out in a parking lot talking to somebody about psychedelics till three in the morning you know it's like what kind of weird life is this this is yeah. so beyond anything i'd imagine but it's awesome you know it's, yeah. no it's, it's i'm not complaining it's it's cool mm -hmm. uh, to you know be friends with your heroes yeah uh i don't take that for granted that like like yeah, this is like they had his poster on my wall right <laughs> You know, we're hanging out, having dinner, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you meet people, I'm curious how this is for you. When you meet people outside of the guitar and or music industry, which is probably kind of hard to do in Nashville, but, you know, it happens, I'm sure. 
you know, the question inevitably comes up for me. It's like, oh, well, what do you do? And I am always like, ah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. <laughs> like, yeah. how do I explain this? You know, is it do you have a go to answer for those people? Um, yeah, I mean, you know what I do in my job is hard to explain. Mm-hmm. To you. I just say I work for Gibson. Uh, that yeah that works so you build guitars it's like well no i'm not in the factory i don't i don't build them i'm in that thing and it's like oh so you're in marketing and it's like no i i I make tv shows and i interior decorate (laughs) like yeah it's it it takes more explaining than it should but yeah 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 Yeah, it's for me it's like i'm like yeah well i interview people from the guitar world you know effects pedals blah 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 and then some people are like oh that's cool people listen to that i'm like yeah yeah they yeah. they do yeah turns <laughs> out uh wouldn't be able to do it otherwise thank you listener whoever you are out there uh but yeah it's always kind of a funny thing and then i have to gauge it right sometimes you know i i i'm talking to somebody and i know they're not going to know what a podcast is and i don't want to give them the the rundown and the explanation because that just will that will derail the entire experience right there. So sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I'm a partner in a guitar string company, and that is a lot easier. Oh, oh, I get that. Yeah, okay, cool, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, the podcast people are like, still, even in 2022, it, I run into people that just have no idea what that word even is, which is kind of it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, but they exist. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so let's see, I. uh I, I told the I told the Tone Mob Facebook group that you were coming, and I specifically asked them not to I asked them for questions, and I specifically asked them not to you know ask about things that I knew you weren't going to be answer be able to answer, but people did that anyway. Um, it did hit me with it, dude. <laughs> so so I'm going to go through some of the ones I I feel like you can answer. Uh, let's see. I, okay, I got to get this out of the way. This is this is a really weird one. Uh, Ryan Burke from the 60 cycle hum yeah. show yeah you know him i know ryan yeah yeah so he keep every time i tell him that we're doing anything you know he's always asking me to ask him about the gold trash can he's always oh, asking yeah. me to ask you about the gold trash can and i'm like i'm not sure which one of you really loves the gold trash can more i'm what's the gold trash can what's the deal with this gold trash can why does he okay. keep asking me that dude finding gold trash cans is the hardest like big like big like okay so decorating the artist lounge you've been in it at the mm-hmm. garage in the back there and i got brass everything so I'm, I'm looking for these big trash cans and and simple touch the good simple touch one thing they made this one and it sold out everywhere and then i find out it's discontinued and i found two of them on ebay in russia <laughs> that I- they're like $300 trash cans and I had to pay like $400 to ship them, but I got gold trash cans. Now I can't use them ever again um, in any of my other spaces. But I, I, I think when Ryan was there, we were, we were talking about it. It's just OCD stuff that I go down rabbit holes on. That day was a trash can rabbit hole. <laughs> Most of the time it's guitar rabbit holes. That day it was trash cans. Yeah. I think I, the, when I told him that, or I've said that I was there or something, he was like, did you did he show you the trash cans? I was like, we didn't talk about the trash cans one time. Not one time did we. He's like, he really liked the trash cans when I was there. I was like, 
at that point and then we were just sitting around talking and the trash cans came up which might <laughs> might have lingered longer than it needed to <laughs> oh that's hilarious i'm glad i asked that question there you go ryan there you go hope he's happy yeah uh let's see what else we got in here so many so many questions um oh yeah this is a good one I, i'll try to condense it a little bit dave trombetti he's saying you know um uh, let's see Seems like Gibson is hanging their hats on the love of classic instruments. He's like, they still have to win over young musicians, go though, who don't want their dad's guitar. And I think he's asking if I can summarize this a little bit. Are you guys taking a look at that uh, in the future? Basically, like, what are the kids up to these days type of thing? Yeah, I mean, that's why the modern collection exists where we can play with other things and and we, we always have stuff in different states of r d um but there's also a formula that works and the same people that say we don't do anything modern are usually the same people that criticize everything new that we try that's not <laughs> a standard less paul we're always in this like lose lose um kind of thing um I don't know. Innovation is a, is an interesting thing. And I, and I think innovation extends outside of just product. Yeah. How innovate as, as a company, mm-hmm. um, but you know, just creating new shapes is not innovation, creating new shapes and putting the same stuff on it is not innovation. So, um, yeah, we're always constantly trying to come up with new things, but it's also, we got to give the people what they want and we know what they want. Cause we, we know how many of what we're selling. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there, there is always that balance that we have to, we have to try and find being a 128 year old company that has all that history and heritage to it, you know? Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, and I don't think young players don't want less balls. I, I think they do still want, Less balls, and I think young players still do want SGs and flying Vs and and Firebirds and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, if we're just talking about shapes, then yeah, you can go find some funky shape thing at some other brand that you think's cool. Then buy that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's pushing anything forward. It's just I, I love the I love the idea of new shapes and people creating new stuff. Um, we released the Theodore this year. People had a lot to say about that new shape. <laughs> they, you know? they did. Yeah. They did indeed. Anytime we try something new, the you know, it's uh so we always are walking the line. The the Theodore was was an interesting one because I remember when it was debuted, I was like, even you know, I'm 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 a Gibson fanboy, you know, like I've always I, I've got multiple Les Pauls. I love the brand and I always have. Even I was like, I don't know about that. And then when I saw it there in person, I was like, oh, I don't know why that happens sometimes. You know, you release something and in pictures, it's like, oh, this is interesting. And it definitely shows what it is. It wasn't like it. It wasn't yeah, it like wasn't, it wasn't clear. But I it, think in person, it kind of, you know, I, I think it's a cool guitar. I love the design. I know a lot of people in the kept saying it was looked like a Tysco, but like the Tysco didn't come out until like eight years after that was designed. Exactly. Really? I think the reason it never came out was because of Rickenbacker. 
the Rickenbacker tulips, you know, like mm-hmm. those I think came out in 58 was the first year for those. Ted designed the Theodore in 57 and probably just beat us to the market with the tulip shaped guitar, which is why I never went into production. But what's really cool about that guitar is the first time you ever see the Explorer headstock. Yep. The first time you see a double cutaway body from Gibson. I mean, there's, there's like there's a lot of history in that um, in that guitar. Oh, yeah. And I still get kind of goosebumps with, you know, you, you showed me the print there in the vault. And then when we went upstairs and you're like, oh, yeah, here's the original drawing. I was like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. well, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was so that was so incredible. And then I uh, we can't talk about that stuff yet. But the, the stuff that's coming with that is very interesting as well. So, uh, yeah, there's always stuff, always cool stuff coming. All right, let's scroll through here. What do we have? There's, yeah, there's a lot of uh, when will Gibson come out with this? And I'm like, well, I know he can't. How, how's he? First of all, he may not even know. Like with a couple of them, I'll do my best to say whatever I can. OK, let's see. Uh, Tom Kelly. Love Tom Kelly. Big supporter. Uh, will Gibson do a non non pit guard explorer with block or split diamond inlays in the custom shop? Bonus points for Silververse wow, because it's very specific. It's very, very specific guitar. There's currently no plans that I know of of a no pickguard explorer with split diamond or block <laughs> inlays coming from the custom. Split diamond is underrated, though. I gotta say, I do. Although we can make diamond. the explorer custom that does have block inlays, but and it's custom shop, but it does have a pickguard on it. <laughs> oh, two geez. out of three, man. Two out of three. <laughs> you know? That's, that's yeah. close enough, right? Let's see what we got. Oh, you know, and I got I wanted to say this too. the this is a little bit of a, an aside. So this Steve Rao also from 60 Cycle Home. He's the he's the other host on that show. Yeah. Uh, since Rick, <laughs> Rick Fiato just got a signature Gibson. When is the Blake Weiland Melody Maker happening? I actually just wanted to say that that Rick Beato double cut is stunning. Like it's cool guitar. Man, those things, they're gone. Yeah. As far well, as I, I- Hell, they're gone. Tom Kelly, who we just talked, to, I know he got one. So, like, yeah. there we go. I know how many we had on our website and in the garage, and they were, it was a lot, and they were gone in three hours. Like, Beato's got a following, man. He he does, but like, I think, I think that guitar spoke to people who don't even like Beato or even know who he is. You know, I love Rick. He's incredible, but like, that guitar. Who, dude? He's. Ooh, how rad is that? Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love yeah. it. Love it. And the double cut. Pe- I mean, it was a that was a smash. You guys nailed it with that one. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the gear exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, Right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff.
Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Bliss and Good Hertz. It's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with very compressed audio. You're getting it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my plane dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossie, I'd invite you to head over to chaseblinksaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. Oh, uh, here's one. Uh, Jonathan Diaz. Uh, can we please have a Dave Grohl DG335 that's accessible to the masses. Well, I will get a weekend job to pay for it. Take out the, I will take out the trash after school. I'll feed it and clean up after it. Is, are there any plans for that? Because that is a that has definitely been one of the more legendary uh, releases in the last 15 years, I would say. People can't seem to get enough yeah. of the DG. I mean, it's a Trini, yeah. but it's a DG, you know. Here's the thing with artist stuff. It's a contract agreement between us and an artist. So it's not something that we can just turn back and go make more of them. Plus, when you do limited runs of stuff, you're then contractually obligated to honor the limited quantity that you set up in the contract so that (laughs) the people who bought those don't lose their limited thing that they thought that they bought. So obviously, I'd love to do more stuff with Dave. And I think we're, we're, we're talking with Dave about other things and hopefully we do see more uh dave grohl models i mean when they say accessible do you want an epiphone version do you want a usa version i mean i guess those were those were memphis but i mean that was like you know not custom shop level non-murphy like accessible is a it's a broad term it means different things to different people for sure let's see what else do we got in here this is quite a this is quite a thread. I haven't had this active of a thread in a no, while. Fantastic. I guess keep, just keep hitting me. Okay, let's see. Oh, here we go. Here we go. This is this is a fun one. Uh, there are several people who asked something along these lines. You know, Tom Kelly asked this. Uh, Chris Carter asked something like this. There's there's several people who asked something along this line. Since the Mesa acquisition came in, are we looking at maybe you know? rebirthing some of the the vintage gibson designs you know i i know they were never like the hottest selling thing on the planet but i think they've got enough of a cult following now you know the skylarks and some of those things people really love those are there is there any indication that there might be something like that brewing that one i can't i can't really talk about that one okay got it got it understood (laughs) i thought that that might be the case uh, let's see. Oh, man, Tom's just hitting them. Let's see. Uh, let's see. No, you know, I kind of asked that already. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of the uh, similar things that you've kind of already addressed, you know, in 
we there's some things about the buckethead guitars it's essentially the same question as uh the dave Grohl guitars so we probably don't need I'm to get working that. on a really cool thing with buckethead right now that i'm not sure if i can it's a gibson tv thing with buckethead Ooh. that is going to be the most ridiculous thing uh ever I don't want to say too much about it because if it doesn't happen, then I don't want to be on it. Because in order to make this happen, it involves marionettes and all sorts of other puppetry and things <laughs> that could go bad. But hopefully <laughs> at some point, there's going to be some Buckethead content uh, on GTV <laughs> if all works out to what we're planning around. Nice. Um, that reminds me, there was one I saw in here earlier. Let's see if I can find it. Again, this thread is a uh, thread is so deep. Who asked that question? I want to make sure I give them a proper shout out. This is great podcasting while I hum to myself and scroll through Facebook. That's just what everybody tunes in for. Um, where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? Oh, yeah, Jake Young. <laughs> okay, there, there it is. <laughs> Jake Young uh wants you just to describe in your words my face when I played the uh, Karina Explorer. <laughs> I would have to describe your face as like a 10-year-old boy who just saw boobies for the first time. <laughs> that was, that was a 10-year-old boy that found his dad's Playboy and just saw boobies for the first time. That was face if i remember correctly i think that's pretty accurate yeah i think that's yeah. probably right because it was one thing when i saw it i'll, I'll just, you know replaying this in my mind when i walked in there and i saw all the guitars in there i was like wow this is incredible this is so cool wow 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 and then when you opened the door and pulled it out and i was like wow that's really cool look at that we're gonna get it up close and then when you handed it to me i was like don't pass out like don't <laughs> this is not the time for your body to fail you and just yeah. you crumple on the floor like make sure you have all your faculties in order so yeah that's probably i couldn't see my own face but i think you probably you probably nailed it that was that was pretty incredible that was drive it. yeah that was that was wonderful so, so you do you guys do that often as far as like taking people back there obviously you take you take some people back there and i actually went back the next day with some friends and they took us back there it was a little different tour than the one you gave me but yeah uh, occasionally i mean all of our artists have been back there i mean if you're normally invited into that backspace you'll you'll see it um i like to take kids in there yeah that's my favorite if i see a kid and i start talking to some kid that's like 10 12 years old that i can tell is like super into it and like reminds me of me like i'll take him back there and stick a burst in his hands wow but, you know you've been reading all that stuff on the internet here mm -hmm. fine now you, now you can enter the chat and you know more than probably 90 percent of the people that are participating <laughs> in, in, you know like i'm not too precious about letting a kid play a 59 less ball that's super cool i mean that, that's... Those, those are the ones i like the yeah. most you know, because they'll remember that. Oh, That's forever. Or the garage, you know, it's not a store. It's a brand experience center. That's what we designed it as. Mm -hmm. And if, if, you know, 30 years from now, 
59 births are even rarer than they are now and they're all tucked away in private collections and stuff like that guy can say that he played one like where like 30 years ago at the gibson garage i got to play a 59 les paul like Mm -hmm. experience you know yep well i mean that's something i actually in a positive way you know there were some i did some dives into some forums after i visited there just because i wanted to learn more about some of the stuff i had seen so i was googling like crazy and you know, some people were, oh, Gibson's got all these things in the vault, blah, 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 blah. They should be out for, for players. And there were some really, like, sharp people chiming in and being like, you know, I know they take people back there semi-regularly. There's probably more people playing those guitars now, like, as far as, like, different pe- different people. More people playing those things now than there ever has been. That's not... Oh, that stuff's it, available Yeah. Tomorrow. Like when Judas Priest played Nashville, Richie Faulkner took our Karina Flying V, played the encore on stage at Municipal Auditorium with our Karina V. Yeah. Like, and the burst, you know, if one of our artists is in town and they're making a record and they want to borrow the burst, like, we'll go drop it off to them. They can use it. For, like, no, this stuff should continue to make. I mean, that's why the door is open. They're not like <laughs> stuck behind glass, they're displayed behind glass, but the door opens and take it out. And when we have shows at the garage, you know. Mm hmm. Orianti played the burst the last time she was in and did a, something on stage. I know she played the 335 that I have in there, the 64. Oh, the thing was incredible. Um, yeah, no, uh, Solis played the SG custom that we had. I mean, like all that stuff gets played, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and that's a, I think that's I was I was really happy to see that it it didn't just turn into a troll farm. You know, people were like acknowledging that this is actually what's happening with them. You know, because <laughs> I I think there has been instances in the past where brands or people do just like lock things up you know and i can understand that from an investment perspective but also like these were made to be played these were designed the to be played I really let people play is the orville stuff yeah i've got a bunch of or although i think i might have let you play a few of the orville. you did let me you let me do a couple <laughs> but, things yeah <laughs> but that i mean that should be in the smithsonian like that's that stuff should is museum caliber stuff oh yeah that is the the some of the real beginnings of guitar right there you know obviously martin was making guitars way way you know decades before orville started but that was like stauffer style guitars and like you can't those those don't really hold up and are playable but we're talking like stuff that has carved tops and like i mean really the birth of what guitars have have become like that stuff is really important and and severely undervalued in my opinion some of the orville things i've bought recently are just they're so undervalued it's great well i mean you want to talk about like we we as guitar players talk about all the time you know how rock music and electric guitar and everything has influenced culture but like none of that stuff would exist without the orville stuff none of it i mean when you talk early guitar culture, we're talking jazz mm-hmm. and archtop guitars. That's how guitar players, you know, this is before amplifiers, before pickups. The only way guitar players could get heard in a big band setup was to have an archtop guitar that projected. And I mean, like Orville invented that in the late 1800s. And then it just kind of got more and more levels of perfected when Lloyd Lore came in 23, 24 and F hole started going in instead of the center sound. Like then it really 
it really started to become a thing. And then when you look at all the other really great archtop builders like D'Angelico or uh, D'Aquisto, Monteleone, like all of those are all offshoots of that formula. And Absolutely. they take took that formula and improved it in whatever way they thought it needed improving and tweaked it. And, and, you know, but all of that stems back to stuff Orville did in the late 1800s. Well, and it spins out even further from there. Cause like when you talk about, you know, D'Angelico and, and D'Aquista, like one of the things that I have a hard time remembering and like wrapping my mind around sometimes is like some of the machines we have uh, at the string joy shop are their roots are in, Dequisto designed winding machines, you know, like the they came direct. There's a direct lineage from those to what we have now, and even some are very direct. <laughs> some of the some of the stuff we have, we have a wide variety. But it's like the way this stuff spirals out when you really start, you know, zooming out from the 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 micro and into the macro is really wild when you look at it from a cultural perspective. You know, I was talking to one of the JHS guys yesterday about pedals. And how that's impacted things. But when you get down to it, like none of that stuff would exist without the contributions that, that Orville made. So it's it's pretty wild to think about. It kind of like melts my brain a little bit sometimes when you go that far. Yeah, it's there's really only a handful of, of people that really did something that affected everything. Mm-hmm. You know, Orville's one, Lloyd Lore's one, Leo Fender's one, Ted McCarty's one. Mm-hmm. Marshall, uh, you know, there, there's really only a handful of people that really changed, changed the game dramatically, Definitely. you know, definitely in the industry. Well, that is a pretty good point. We're getting close to the end of the main episode here. Uh, I've got a couple classic questions that I like to wrap up with. Uh, before I do that, I like to give the floor to the guest, you know, talking to a few thousand people right now. So you got anything you want to say to anybody, anything you want to plug, you know, your aunt, you want to shout out the floor is yours now to kind of say whatever you want to say. Oh, uh, metal and monsters Halloween special. Cause I'm right in the thick of it right now. Okay. Fantastic. Kirk Hammett, uh, is our guest. I'll be with Kirk filming tomorrow. Uh, all of his, stuff i think we're going to universal halloween horror nights we got a feature on anthrax with charlie benante uh doing a typo negative uh giveaway oh dude anniversary of that record that's coming up it's gonna be it's gonna be a fantastic uh halloween special sweet i can't wait to check it out halloween's one of my favorite season and uh my favorite yeah this looking is gonna be forward great. to this wow all right final questions here we go first one what is your favorite boss pedal? My favorite boss pedal. Oh man, you're gonna hate this answer. I uh, may not. Probably not. Boss TU two. That's the most popular answer. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, I I had the TU two that I bought 15 years ago still on a board, and I'm not a huge pedal guy. I don't really use a lot of pedals. Um, so when I decided to do a second pedal board, which was really dumb, um, I had like an office pedal board. I moved my TU2 to that. <laughs> I, I upped and bought the Wazicraft TU3 because it was black. My whole pedal board's black now. It's just completely blacked out because um, I went down one of those rabbit holes one night and 
Now everything's black. I understand. So I guess, yeah, Boss Tuner. Buy one of those. You'll have that thing 50 years from now. That's right. You can use it for self-defense. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah it'll, it's great. Tier two. Box, all sorts of stuff. Absolutely. Handy. <laughs> all right. Final question. This is the one that gets a little bit dicey. People get a little bit, uh, it gets a little controversial, but uh, it's, Ooh, it's, 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 a, it's a good question. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Ooh, kind of pizza, like style of pizza? Style, pizza. Get as specific as you feel like you need to. Oh, man. Pizzeria, like whatever. I really like oh, a lot of different kinds of pizza. I really like Sicilian, mm-hmm. like Sicilian slice. Absolutely. But uh, I mean, just like a good New York style. It, I like a lot of toppings. That's okay. my... So give me like a meat lovers or a deluxe or something with a bunch of stuff on it. It doesn't matter what kind of crust it is on it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you I give this to the the fellow people that are in Nashville because Nashville is my home away from home and there's some good spots down there. But if you haven't been to Smith and Lentz, Smith and Lentz Brewery in Nashville, they have, ama- they have amazing pizza. Their pizza is really? phenomenal. Where is it at? Oh, it's in East I'm Nashville. I'm not a beer guy, man. I'm not a beer drinker. You don't so you don't I'm have to. Just get like the pizza. Hooked up with the with yeah. the brewery uh scene here. I think they started make if I remember the story correctly, they started making pizza during lockdown so that they would have something people could get for takeaway and they just nailed it. And it, they, I think they became known for their pizza, possibly even more than their beer. So really what kind of pizza? What style? It's a thinner, it's a thinner crust, kind of, kind of a New York vibe. It's got that nice crisp to it that you can fold it up and, and eat it. But then they've got, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's a pretty hip joint. They got all kinds of fancy different toppings if you want that it's it's legit i think i i can't another imagine one, uh, i'm here in nashville there's another place you gotta check out and it's a name is escaping me now i'll text it to you but it's a napolitana <laughs> style um oh that, uh, i think i've been there and the name is escaping me also i i know yeah, i think i know what you're talking about really good it's like an italian restaurant that also has pizza they right? only do pizza and pasta That's yes it like four pastas on the menu and like four pizzas on the menu yeah it but like i've had all all of all of them and they're all incredible and the name is escaping me but it's yeah good stuff yes i i can even remember the pizza i had it was their quattro formaggi their four cheese pizza was insane absolutely insane my breath smelled horrible afterwards but that was fine that's that's everyone else's problem you know yeah (laughs) well dude thank you so much for doing this this was a blast Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to see what kind of weird stuff we get into uh, on the Patreon. So here we go. Cool. All right, everybody. For Mark, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. I super, super appreciate you. Mark and I got real weird, real weird indeed on the bonus episode this week. And if you want to hear that, and you want to get access to the ad-free streams, you can go to patreon.com slash tonemob, where for three or five bucks a month, for three, you will get the ad-free episodes only. For five bucks a month, you will get both the ad-free streams and the bonus content. And that bonus content is beautiful. Every week, you get extra episodes beamed to your ears, and you help support this show in a truly, truly massive way. It is huge. I'm not exaggerating. It has helped me out of many a jam. The patrons of this show are a big, big deal, even if it doesn't really sound like that much. 
it it really is absolutely enormous. So thank you to everyone that can do that. And if you can't, please just share this with a friend. Share this with somebody you think would enjoy it. That is also huge. That's the only way this thing keeps going is if more people keep listening to it. And I couldn't do it without you. Podcasts don't have the benefit of the algorithms the way that YouTube and different social platforms, we complain about them as creators, but when they do slide into your favor on rare occasion, it is a big boost and podcasts have yet to benefit from that in the same way. So please share this with somebody. I'd really appreciate it if you could. And uh, I hope you, you know, have yourself a good week. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoy your week and I hope I can help out in any way, shape or form. Hit me up. I'm around. And again, thank you very much. Talk to you soon. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Yeah! Oh, the wrath of the buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The wrath of the buzzard. P-R-O-H files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, 
And I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.